Well, good morning, Good Shepherd. Some of you are connecting live stream and others are, are, of you are live. I'm live right here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm Talbot Davis, our pastor here. Always, always glad to be able to engage with you as you gather together on a Sunday morning. And this is the, the final message in the series called That's Good News, a series all about uh, inviting people into deeper conversations about faith, sharing what's so meaningful to those of you who have said yes to Jesus and had because he said yes to you first and, and uh, inviting people to the life of the church, all those things and how they intersect. And, and especially on a weekend like this, where we're really troubled by uh, not just rumors of wars, but wars, and we've got great desire for peace and great desire for justice. Uh, our ability to, to focus on things like baptism and, and things like this particular conversation and, and bringing people a, a sense of hope and conviction in the middle of chaos and uncertainty, all of these things intersect today. Today's message is called the most unsuccessful invitation, the most unsuccessful invitation. And if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to locate in your Bible the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're only looking at one verse today, biblically, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. And when I say the book of 2 Timothy, that's actually a little bit inaccurate. 2 Timothy is actually a letter, and it is a letter written by Paul, who is a pastor and an author and a missionary. And unlike the majority of his letters, which are written to churches in the ancient world, Timothy is written to Timothy, his son in the faith. And also, because it's the second letter we have in the New Testament that was written to Timothy. And in the case of Timothy, it's not because the first one didn't work. It's just because Paul had more that he wanted to pour into Timothy's life out of his own life. And, and sometimes knowing just a little bit of that background and a little bit of the nature of the scripture, people find extraordinarily helpful in understanding what we're talking about. I hope it does for you as well. Because at Good Shepherd, we have this conviction that you may be, still be trying to figure out yourself or you may be like, yes, I, I'm, I'm with you. But the conviction is this, that the biblical library, and don't, don't let people tell you it's a book. It's not the good book. It's the great library. The biblical library is unlike any other collection of books on earth. God breathed his life into its words. He put his truth onto its pages. We believe in leadership here that it is inspired and eternal and true. And that's our conviction. And out of that conviction comes this custom. And it's where we together, we lift it up uh, when we gather together on a Sunday. And, and again, if you haven't been here before and you're looking around and there's phones in the air and there's Bibles in the air and you're just like, this is, this is kind of spooky. It's October after all. And well, we don't deny it. We, we admit this is unusual. This is a little bit strange. But what we've discovered is that this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community that we're a collection of people and we don't have life figured out. Can I hear an amen? amen? But we know who does. And because we know he does, we're glad to surrender to the authority of his word. And before I say another word, let's pray. So God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege that you give me of standing up and admitting, acknowledging, celebrating that I am powerless without you. But because of you, I'm never helpless. So send the helper, the Holy Spirit of God, 
to fill me from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head and to do the same with all who are within the sound of my voice today so that we collectively will know all that is good and right and joyful and filled with hope about this faith. These are prayers that we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So you uh, may remember all the way back to May of 2023. That's like five months ago. And you may remember that far back when King Charles got coronated, crowned King of England. It was actually a really big deal because they hadn't had a coronation in England since 1952 when Charles's mama, Queen Elizabeth, got crowned the queen and she reigned for 70 years. So it's a, a big deal. And, and so uh, what you also may not know about when someone gets crowned king or queen of England is that they invite people to their coronation ceremony. And so King Chuck invited people to come to the ceremony to watch him get crowned as king. Hey, y'all, I'm getting crowned king on Saturday. Y'all come on over, and then afterwards we can hang out and watch the game together, something, something like that. But, but, and I didn't know that was how it worked, but the other thing that I didn't know until very recently was that King Charles gave out all these invitations to his coronation, and on more than a few occasions... <laughs> He got rejected. Some of the leading lights of the British music industry started turning him down. First of all, it was the Spice Girls. And then you don't want to get turned down by the Spice Girls, for crying out loud. And then it was Harry Styles. And then it was Ed Sheeran. And when things couldn't get any worse, they got really, really serious. And Adele turned him down. And Elton John turned him down. And you got to feel for King Charles because what is more humiliating than getting a no? What is more embarrassing than issuing an invitation and getting a flat out rejection? Now, in the, in the case of King Charles, I imagine that the billions of dollars that he has in the bank and the, all the castles up in Scotland, I, I imagine that kind of eased the pain a little bit. But nevertheless, The fact remains that that when you put yourself out there and you invite someone to a dinner or you invite someone to a party or you invite someone to a book signing (laughs) or you and half the people like, what's he talking about? And others, I know what you, or you, or you invite people to a wedding, even a wedding where you know You know, moms and dads of brides, you know every yes just means more money you're going to have to spend. And and even when you know that, you still want people to say yes, because what could be worse than giving an invitation and having it get rejected? Man, I remember that day back in high school, finally worked up that courage, finally worked up that courage to talk to that girl that I had my eye on for forever and say, hey, would you like to go to a movie this weekend? And what's the answer? That I, I'll have to check my calendar. <laughs> Which, come on, ladies, this is code for when it freezes over, you know where. And <laughs> so embarrassing. And then even later, young in ministry, 
down in Monroe, North Carolina, and, and I was just sure that the, the high school students of, of Union County, that they would just feel so honored if the pastor of that church had a Bible study at his house. I'm like, they're just gonna be flocking. It's like I'm not gonna have room for everybody. And instead, on the night of the assigned Bible study, I am just like Bobby Brady, having is- issued an invitation to a party and I weren't nobody showing up. What is more embarrassing and humiliating than an, a, an invitation that you put out there and it gets rejected? You, you, know, you know what I'm saying. You, you have been through this. And, and when we move that whole topic to, to the deeper areas of life, and when you issue an invitation to church or an issue to a deeper conversation about things of faith and eternity, and those two things are similar, but they're not identical. Uh, Inviting people to church is one thing and inviting them into a deeper conversation about eternity and Jesus is another thing related, but not the same. And yet when you have those kinds of invitations to those kinds of conversations and it is met with rejection, man, makes you think that the most unsuccessful invitation that you could give is the one that gets rejected. Again, I remember talking to my, finally, again, working up the courage after years and years and years and, and talking to my long-time non-believing dad and finally worked up the courage. And I'm already a pastor by then. And well, what do you believe about spiritual things and, and getting the stiff arm in return? I, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, the, the most unsuccessful invitation, it seems, is the one that gets rejected because what greater fear do we have than the fear of rejection? You know what I'm talking about. You've been through this. You've you've asked people to talk about faith. You've asked people to come over for dinner. You've, You've asked that new girl you have your eye on out for a date. You've asked that new guy you have your eye on out for a date. You and and you've been met with the stiff arm. You've been met with resistance and that you have that great fear of rejection. So it does seem like as we gather together on the final Sunday of that's good news, that the greatest the, the, the war, most unsuccessful invitation is the one that gets rejected. Unless, unless there's yet another one that's even more unsuccessful. Unless when Paul, pastor, missionary, author, unless when he is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, he's also writing to you and he's also writing to me. It wasn't written to us, but it was preserved for us. And when Paul, and this is, we believe these are some of the last words that Paul ever wrote before he died, and he died for the sake of his faith in Jesus. And as he he opens up this, this letter to Timothy, he reminds Timothy of this rich legacy of faith that he has. It goes back a couple of generations on his mother's side. And he summarizes all of this with these remarkable words in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, says this. For the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. The spirit that God gave us. And Paul's talking there about the Holy Spirit of God. And any one of you who has ever said yes to Jesus, I don't know who that is. I assume it's a good chunk of you because you spend a lot of Sunday mornings here. 
But any one of you who has said yes to Jesus, you were automatically given the Holy Spirit of God as part of that declaration of faith. And yet God wants you to keep saying yes to more of the Holy Spirit and more of the Holy Spirit and more of his power indwelling you so that you don't have to live by your own wits, but you live by his wisdom. So, you don't, so that you don't have to get through life on your own strength, but you get through it on the Spirit's power. And when God gives you the Holy Spirit, and he does... The Holy Spirit has this amazing, remarkable ability to transform timidity into boldness, to transform fear into courage. And we read these words and we apply them to our whole conversation about sharing invitations to church and invitations to deep conversations about faith. And we realize that rejection is not the enemy. Fear is. Apathy is. Getting a no is not the thing that we should fear more than anything else. Being on the sidelines is the thing that we should fear. It's one thing to get in the game and lose. That's a whole lot better than never playing in the first place. Because the spirit that God gives you and the spirit that God gives me is not the spirit of fear. It is the spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline, and you put all those pieces together, and it helps you realize this, Good Shepherd, that the most unsuccessful invitation is the one you never give. It's a lot worse never to take the risk than to take the risk and get rejected a lot worse. It's a lot less successful to be turned down than never to open up in the first place. You and I, we think, man, there could be no greater fear than their fear of rejection. There could be no greater humiliation than to be turned down. And Paul to Timothy and then to us says, oh, wait a minute there, mister. There is a much greater danger. There is a much greater failure. The most unsuccessful invitation is just the one you can't be bothered to give. And the reason I like this topic a lot is because I believe that, that when you, by God's power, when you conquer your fear of invitation, that that is going to bleed over into so many other areas of your life. When you conquer that fear, by God's power, when you conquer that fear that says, oh no, I can't invite them to church. I can't talk to them about eternity. I'm too scared. What if I get rejected? And, and, and some of you are like, he's telling me I can be bold. I'm, 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 I'm so timid right now. No, you're not. You've bought the devil's lie. I'm here to bring you the Lord's truth. And when you by God's power, when you overcome that, when it comes to faith sharing, church inviting, I have to believe it will spill over into so many other areas of your life because I know you. I know how so many of you are controlled by fear. You're fearful of getting sick. You're fearful of letting people down. You're fearful of opening up and being vulnerable and honest with people fearful of tomorrow, fearful of the news. Well, today, God has brought you to this place to let you know that the 
most unsuccessful invitation is just the one that you never give. And that he does not give you a spirit that leads to fear. He gives you the spirit that leads to power and love and self-control. And I love how those words work together. You got power and self-control. Those seem contradictory. That, that we, we think of powerful people as sort of impulsive people, strong people, relentless people, and self-controlled people as sort of meek and over in the corner. No, they are exactly the same. There is no greater power let loose in the universe than the power of self-restraint. Can I hear an amen for that, people? Most unsuccessful invitation is the one that you never give. Isn't it interesting, Good Shepherd, how often... We talk about the things that we love. I mean, think about it. How you, 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 if you're in a new relationship, you can't talk enough about that new guy or that new girl. Or you get a new job, you love talking about the new job. You get a new car, you love talking about the new car, the new app. We love the new restaurant you found. We love talking about things we love. For me, it's this obscure rock band Dawes and this even more obscure tennis player from Greece named Tsitsipas. Man, I talk, I talk about Dawes and I talk about Tsitsipas. I have a Dawes tutorial that I will take you through. It's, it's an online class that, that I have not, not, but I talk about those people all the time. I'm always sharing my love for Dawes and for Tsitsipas. And every once in a while, when I'm yammering on about that band and that tennis player, I can hear the Lord say to me, well, what about me? Do you love me enough to talk about me the same way you're willing to talk about that band or that tennis player? And when you think about it, Good Shepherd, what better topic to fall in love with so that you can talk about than the one who loved you when you were especially unlovable? What better topic is there to talk about than the one who invaded history so that you could uh, enjoy eternity? What better subject is there for you to yammer on and on and on about than the one who, when you said yes to Jesus, I don't know if you know this or not, when you said yes to Jesus, who's already said yes to you, all of a sudden you could stop fighting for approval and you could start living from it. And I don't know if you know how, what a remarkable gift that is because so many of us from our youngest of ages, we are fighting for approval. We want the approval of mom and of dad. We want the approval of our teachers and our coaches and our bosses and our mates and our siblings. We fight for approval. And all of a sudden, when you say yes to Jesus, you're done with all that. I don't have to fight for approval anymore. Why do I want the applause of the crowd when I already have the approval of the king? I don't have to fight for approval. I can start living from it. And when you live into that grace-given reality, how can you not talk about it? The most unsuccessful invitation is just the one you never give. We got some heady days coming up in the life of this church. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be sharing with you a, a, a tool in, in, in a few minutes because we want to empower you. We want to resource you. We want people in this church who are so in love with Jesus and how he has loved them when they were unlovable that they can't help but talk about it. And we want that to be 
you. And as we think about this conversation, there's two questions that I want you asking yourself, and they're so vital that, that I want you to jot them down or take a picture of them. The first question is this, do you love Jesus enough to share him with people? Do you love Jesus enough to share him with people who do not yet know him? Well, do you, are, are you daily animated by the fact that without Jesus, you are such a wreck? And in Jesus, you are so loved. Do, do, uh, I, I, I have so many friends who are in, in AA, and they know this so well because they know exactly how lost they would be without the Lord and how healed they are in him. Listen, alcohol may not be your thing, but we are all recovering from something. And you love Jesus enough and what he's done in your life and from what he has delivered you that you will share him with people? And second question is this, do you love people enough to share Jesus with them? Well, do you? Do, do you love people enough to share Jesus with them? Or do you want people to get what they deserve? After all, they cut you off in traffic or said something you didn't like on social media and you just want them to get what, what they deserve. No, you don't. Because if they get what they deserve, you're going to get what you deserve. And nobody here wants to get what you deserve. That's called karma. You don't want to get what you deserve. In grace, Jesus already got what you deserve. That's what you want, not only for you, but for everybody else. Do you love people enough to share Jesus with them? Yeah, ask yourself those two questions. Be unsettled even with the answer. And then remind yourself that the most unsuccessful invitation is just the one you never give. Some of you, some of you know it's, it's interesting. We have this ministry called uh, Bless This House. It's where we find uh, the addresses of new movers in the area. I've been doing it years and years and years. New movers in the area, and we go to their house, kind of unannounced, and we, we give them a world-famous refrigerator magnet and we give them a prayer if they're open to it, and, and we give them an invitation to church if, if they're open to it. Been doing it for years and years and years, Blessing Houses. And the main reason I've been doing it for years and years and years is that it has borne fruit. In fact, I see some of you in the room today, and you're here because the very first time you had an encounter with this church was when someone you didn't know showed up at your church and gave you a world-famous refrigerator magnet, and you thought, well, what, what, what could go wrong? And so you came to church, and you're still here. But it's interesting, in that, in that ministry, in that ministry, after COVID, there's a little bit more suspicion in the air. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. And, and these days, when we knock on people's door, they're, they're more likely not there. Or actually, they're there. <laughs> they just don't answer. And, and, and yet, thank the Lord for new technology. 
Because if you notice that on people's doors now, they have these new fangled ring doorbells and some of you are like, well, what do you think? Uh, do I know about a ring doorbell? I was not born yesterday. Ring doorbells, which have a video camera attachment to them. And so uh, here's what me and my, my house busting partner is a man named Will Elmore. Will, so we have magnet, will travel. Get it, get it? <laughs> so uh, what we do, what we do now is that when we go to a house and we see the ring doorbell with the video camera and nobody comes to the door, we give a little spiel. <laughs> and I look at that video camera and I say, hey, my name is Talbot and this is my friend Will and we're from Good Shepherd Church and we brought you a housewarming gift for your brand new house. It is a world famous refrigerator magnet. This is our way of letting you know that we are glad to have you as new neighbors. We're gonna leave it right here in the door and we'd love for you to check out our church sometime and congratulations on your beautiful house. And some of, some of you are like, well, that's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> Who would come to church because someone left them a video message on their ring doorbell? They have. They do. People show up and say, hey, I got your video. I'm like, what? <laughs> the, the one you left at my door. People who moved here from Ohio, people who have moved here from Togo, West Africa, people moving from all over the world, connecting at this church because a few people among this body have realized the most unsuccessful invitation is just the one you never give. So we're gonna give a bunch. And here's what we're gonna do. Here's how we're gonna resource you for the, for, for, so that you cannot be an unsuccessful inviter who doesn't give an invitation, but that so you can be empowered and resourced to invite people, not only to church, but to even those deeper conversations about life and faith. We, when we were thinking about this series, we, we thought about, well, maybe, maybe on that last Sunday, we'll give out these gift bags, swag bags of Good Shepherd, and you can give them to your friends, and, and you'll have a, a Good Shepherd mug, and a Good Shepherd water bottle, and a pen, and autographs, and all kinds of stuff. And and then we were like, no, here's, here's a better idea. And I, we, we have an, a very simple invite card and I just want you to see what's on the reverse side of it. It says this, instead of filling your shelves with swag, we'd rather fill you with hope. We took the money we could have spent on coffee mugs and water bottles and we donated $20,000 to our local missions partner, the Charlotte Rescue Mission. We love all of our neighbors, which is why we want to invite you to experience hope at Good Shepherd Church. We've already been praying for you, and we can't wait to see you soon. So I want you all to rise on your feet as you're able. We've got a couple of songs that we're going to sing, but you have an opportunity to respond. You have an opportunity to make a statement. You have an opportunity to have an act of worship. Because during the singing of these songs, you'll notice there's tables at the front of the, of the uh, worship center. We have cards up here for you to come up. Yes, I'm in. And don't pick up more than two. Everybody do two fingers up and not more than two. Because we want to have, we don't want to run out. So pick up two and take them. And you, because you have somebody in mind you want to invite to this church. You want to invite 
to a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And one other thing, if you're in the middle of a row and you're like, I can't, there's just so many people on either side. I don't know if they're, they'll let you out because I just told them, let them out. <laughs> it, it worked at nine o'clock. It'll work great now. And uh, y'all stay standing. The band has a couple of wonderful songs for you. I must call them killer songs. These are life-giving songs. <laughs> wonderful songs they're gonna sing for you. So stand, sing, get a card or two. Band. <laughs>